Welcome to episode 35, everybody. Thank you for joining us, Elo Punters. My name is Anurag Das. I'm here with Bob Wong and Daniel Gochel, and we are going to talk about some interesting stuff. Um, not exactly legacy today, but surrounding legacy. Before we get into that, I want to say thank you to all of our new patrons. Uh, it looks like we have none as our new patron. Uh, wait, Bob, is, are the show notes correct? None yet. Oof. Uh, no, seriously, though, we, we would definitely appreciate anybody donating as we are kind of paying the fees out of pocket to get this edited. Um, even $1 a month would be super helpful. Salute. And speaking of getting edited, at Force of Phil is our beautiful, handsome Rap Daddy editor. And uh, he, he's, he's, he's got it, right? Check him out, Force of Phil, at Force of Phil on Twitter. And I believe also at Force of Phil on SoundCloud if you want to hear some sweet beats. Um, that being said, you know the drill. Uh, caster updates what you got honestly I, so I, I think the last time we cast was a preview for the legacy pit and even though it feels like it was ages ago i top eight legacy pit with eight casts told y'all it was good and it was good um so that's that was awesome um and you you did commentary there like how, how did you find the overall experience it was really good being back in the booth i think one thing that i've learned is that like i have done so so yeah as a heads up i was also at the legacy pit and that was really good for for multiple reasons i'd say the first reason that i really enjoyed the pit is because it was an east coast based event where i could fly in and just meet all my friends who i haven't seen in okay fine like a couple months maybe but still it's just like it's like one of those things where i really enjoy seeing them i don't know like living on the west coast and being able to fly in it it's the gathering blah 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 you guys already know like the heartwarming feeling etc cetera, etc cetera. i didn't get to see daniel though but i'll see daniel in atlanta so like that's nice um but like from from a work perspective i will say a couple things okay first of all i did coverage with cory baumeister over the weekend and if you watch any of the official watsi coverage then you know you know cory baumeister is just an absolute canon of a, of a caster he, he he does everything so well and doing it in person too was fantastic because i mean i've done remote coverage before and it's great but doing it in person is so much better because like being able to like be next to someone you get you, you just absorb them a little bit better and that's a hard thing to explain you know unless you've actually done coverage but i think i think like looking at a screen versus having someone sitting next to you like you can tell there's a difference right it's like the difference between playing magic online and like playing paper magic so first of all massive shout out to Corey. the second shout out that i want to give to is uh travis parsley for running just like a a superb event i know there were a couple hiccups that you know yeah you know, twitter went off about um but i think from a professional standpoint like my working relationship with travis you know he handled everything any questions, any concerns, any logistics that I was concerned about, he handled them textbook perfectly. And so I want to appreciate good when it happens kind of deal. You know, I feel like mm -hmm. it's very easy to reflect on what went wrong, but I think so much went right that like not putting that under the spotlight, it would just be like egregious. So, you know, Travis and Corey, both thank you for making this an incredible weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm just super stoked that it was, you know, a two day legacy tournament with coverage. I mean, I, I don't remember the last time we've, I guess maybe there was an SUG Philly, but that was like, what, early last year? I can't even remember. Anyways, it, though, they're rare now. Like two-day legacy events with coverage, they're super rare. Like they're mostly, you know, one-day events or no coverage. So just having both of them really hit the spot. And I would definitely go back if there was another, you know, Legacy Pit Open 3, which sounds like it's in the planning. So look forward to seeing you there at the next one. Yeah, Daniel. Daniel's going to fly in and he's going to just like have a... A great old time as well. Oh yeah, I got some uh, some caster updates. Ooh, let's hear okay. it. What's up? I got a lot. I got a lot. Well, yeah, I'll be at Atlanta as an in official influencer. So excited to meet all the fans. 
And uh, I'll also be in Vegas for Magic 30 and I guess at the Pioneer PT. So I'll finally be leaving my room for a triple whammy event. Oh yeah, now I, forget, I remember the other announcement. I just learned how to VTube, so I might stream some Magic again later. Just not a lot, like probably not on uh, regularly, but I just want to try out some uh, VTubing powers. I know there's some Magic VTubers. So can, can you, can you number one, explain VTubing, and number two, like what you're going to VTube as? So VTubing is like when you stream, but instead of your face, there's like an avatar. So a lot of people do like anime avatars or cartoon characters, and use like face tracking stuff so that the character follows your movements. And there's some Magic VTubers out there. I know, I think like Autumn or Chet did some, and there's a lot of, I don't know all the, the other Magic ones, but it's like a lot of, I think, Japanese players like Mopanda. And actually, at the a recent PT, somebody top-aided was a VTuber, and they actually wrote, um, I'm going to be gone tomorrow, so my brother will play for me, because they forced them to use a camera for the top eight. So I guess a VTuber's brother played for them in the top eight. Wait, 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 wait. How is that legal? Uh, let's not get into it too much, that controversy. Well, no. So somebody was VTubing, like they were a they VTube like as a as a anime uh, an anime girl streams magic, but they that person top aided the PT and they force uh, a 3D person to uh, share their face. So since the anime person w- wasn't acceptable to Watsi, the brother of the anime person uh, played the uh, top eight of the PT. This was like a year ago, I think. Like nobody talked about it because it was like a Japanese player, but it definitely happened. So, so you're saying they were basically, you know, violating the rule where like you're supposed to be playing your own matches, but they they had their brother do that. No, it's not about that. It's like when you're playing the top eight, you have to have your camera on, so they can see you. And they were like, you can't have an anime. Yeah, but why why can't they just either turn their camera off or, or did they just like say, choose not to play? Like wh- no, like they. So you need a camera on your like real, on like a three D person's face, right? So they just had to. The VTuber had to uh, reveal themselves in the top eight. And they didn't want to do that? Well, they did. They, well, obviously, they're probably referring to themselves. They probably, the brother is probably themselves. I didn't want to say that, you know, like to say Santa Claus isn't real or anything. But Wait, I'm so confused. What is this? What does a brother have to do with anything? Well, like, like it's an anime girl. It's like, I'm not playing today, so my brother is going to play for me. So the, so the brother is probably the VTuber. But I didn't want to say it like to ruin Christmas, you know, like Santa Claus isn't real. You know what Not I mean? Not so dumb. No, nobody cares about that. Or at least I don't care about that. Yeah, okay. But like, it, it's one of those things where just like, once you reveal, like, like, do you know who Dream is? The no. Minecraft content creator? Oh, actually, yes. Yeah, so he like did a face reveal, right? I thought it was like a right. big deal. It's like one of those things, right? Where it's just like, now that you know who is behind the scenes, it, it does change the dynamic between the viewer. But, but if Daniel does it, everybody knows it's Daniel. Well, yeah, I'm not the serious VTuber. I just uh, had... Found out how, about how to do it. So yeah, I'll be VTubing it as an anime girl, probably. All right. Well, <laughs> oh, God, I'm I in. Maybe maybe I'll join you. Maybe I will join you. Because I've thought about it before, and I was like, you know, this would be like a nice, like, if someone, like, uses channel points or, like, pays, like, a dollar, like, the VTube comes on. I know. I'm going to VTube as Honey. That's what I'm going to do. Or maybe Honey's been VTubing as me this whole time. You never know. Um. Okay, cool. So we have a couple things to talk about. And, and today's going to be, like, Again, not exactly about legacy because I think, all in all, like legacy is in a reasonable state, um, which is maybe something that we will talk about a little bit more. But my deck's the best deck in the format, and so I really feel like it's solved. That there's nothing much to talk about. So, you want to get into the Twitter questions, Bob? All right. Well, I guess I'll let that one slide for now. But <laughs> um, yeah, I guess before we dive in, we had a couple. You know, 
as Anurag mentioned, legacy-adjacent topics. I think we're going to spend um, a bunch of time on Heritage and maybe a little bit of time on Legacy Unchained as well. But before we get there, we did get one Legacy-related question, and this is from Ali on MTGO. Uh, what archetype is overplayed relative to how good it is? And then the four options he listed were basically Tempo, Control, Combo, and then you know non-blue decks, fair non-blue decks, let's say. Well, okay, here's the deal, right? So Tempo, Control, Combo, and fair non-blue... I think tempo is very good and it is played as good as like there are a lot of people who play tempo because it's very good. I think fair non blue is actually the exact opposite. I.e. I think it's underplayed relative to how good it is. And I'm specifically referencing mono red. Uh, the other non blue decks kind of suck. Actually, maybe maybe mono red isn't like a fair non blue deck, but I don't know. It's like I, I would call it fair non blue, but. You know, also in this pile, I would include like death and taxes, lands, Green maybe white. depths. Yeah. So, so of those decks, you only really like Moonstompy. Yeah, I would. I would. I would legitimately say like Fair Non Blue is IMO not great and is not very played. Maybe the exception to this is like Green White Depths. I think Green White Depths is not a bad deck necessarily, but I don't. I wouldn't be like, oh, it's a great deck. You know, like. I think it you play this deck because you think it has a good Delver matchup, and I think it has a good Delver matchup because a variety of things, but most importantly, like Delver doesn't really change to adapt to this deck. Like you see Delver adapt to a bunch of other decks like combo or like artifacts or whatever, but you never see like a lot of like submerges. I, maybe maybe Daniel Daniel the kind of person to play submerge, but the majority of people are going to be playing like oh yeah repeal that's a good one. Majority of people are going to be playing like I don't know like stuff like counterbalance and price of progress and i'm just like those are not cards that are going to win you the green white depth matchup so that's why i think green white depth does well but like i'd still give it like a five out of ten and i think more people play it than all right all right that answer is too long basically you're saying moon stompy is the only good fair non-blue deck all right and how do you feel how do you feel about combo and control relative to how much they're played combo is also in a rough spot because delver is really good uh, but combo players mostly only play combo, and so I I think I don't really see anyone new playing combo. So I think it's just the people that normally play combo that are still playing combo. So that's kind of a tough question. But then like also like the combo players that have been playing their combo decks forever are really really freaking good with their combo decks. Like see like Wonder Pro or Max Carini or like um, you know like any anybody who plays Dredge religiously or like you know Bryant Cook on on Storm for example. Like these players. This is their bread and butter, and while they can play other decks, they certainly, I feel like, are the best in their element playing combo. So I, I don't know. It's like I wouldn't say it's overplayed. I would say this is like almost exactly equal, like for its level in the format, power level in the format. You have as many people playing it, so maybe that one's not overplayed. And then I think control is how do i put this gently i don't think people play control properly so you, basically you're saying bad players control play control so you wouldn't say it's like overplayed but you think in general bad players play it so i'm gonna just tell you right now right so ali's poll like i don't know so this is by this poll is by ali on mtgo on twitter who is just like a tried and true lands player throughout throughout and what was interesting was everyone said that control was uh, overplayed relative to how good it is. And I actually think right now, this is one of the rare opportunities or rare times in the timeline where Control is actually really good. And that's thanks to Minsk and Boo. Before Minsk and Boo was printed, I would say that Control was not very good because it just didn't have a diverse enough 
set of wind conditions or whatever, right? Like I mean, Daniel's talked about it before in other podcast episodes where he's like, yeah, you just like grind through all their wind conditions, surgical and Uro, and you can never lose kind of deal. And now I feel like even having one extra wind condition is like so nice. I think it's really good right now. My list specifically has won three challenges in like the past, I don't know, since I started playing it. And I wasn't even playing one of the challenges. I just think that, yeah, people need to get better with this and understand a lot of sequencing. I've seen people play it. In fact, and I'm not trying to roast Daryl here, but like Daryl played literally my cards at the Legacy Pit. And I understand, okay, I, I can understand where Daryl came from for a lot of his plays, but I just thought in my mind, like, this is not how I would play this turn sequence out, for example. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm right. It just means that like, I think differently about my role with control in certain matchups and, and things like that compared to other people. So it's it's tough. I, I I can't really fault people, but I also feel like control is like rarely good. So like learning how to play it optimally requires almost like like a, it's like one of those like Bane moments from Batman where you have to like mold yourself into control and understand like how to fail in order to understand how to Do succeed. You think this deck is harder to play than Top Miracles was. No, God, no. What? No, not even close. But like, it's 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 less about like so like Top Miracles was complicated because like every turn you had five options of at minimum five options available when to spin top, when to tap top, when to spin top again, when to tap top again, like all that sort of stuff, right? And you had to also like constantly have like a stack of cards in in your memory, so that that took a lot of like energy and resource and whatever. But this deck is is like very like mid rangey and proactive. It's more so about like understanding like a how to build your deck for the format because I think nowadays there's no deck that will like beat everything. And so with control, you need to pick your battles, pick what matchups you want to win against, and then pick what matchups you are okay losing to. But then also like like how to advance your position bit by bit in each matchup, right? Like against Delver, for example, right? There were a lot of times where like Daryl would like you know be like, all right, well you know. I'm going to play around this or I'm going to play into this. And I'm like, well, in this situation, like my logic is I would slam endurance here because you cannot beat a Murktide. And then Daryl held it and then got punished by a Murktide. Like, like those sort of things. It's just like, it's like, it's like, it's option analysis. I would almost say like, I don't know. I've played against Delver a million times. So I know like if I don't have Swords to Plowshares in my hand or a Pyroblast in my hand, Murktide is just like non-negotiable. Like I cannot let that card resolve. And other players might take chances on that. And I'm just like, eh, you know, like this is... And and sometimes I get punished too, like when they don't have the threat, but like I'm still kind of safe. I don't know. This is like a long, like tangential thought on like like how to play control. And really what I should do is like write the Bible and then like, you know, get the money, get the bag, if you will. Um, <laughs> shout out to Bob's Blue Red Delver Bible. If you haven't already, just message Bob about it. It's like 20 bucks for like the best Delver article you will ever get in your life. But, but yeah, like I think people just play control poorly which is why the general consensus or thought at least that control is bad right now is a reflection of that rather than it actually being bad like i will tell you when control is bad control has been bad this is not one of those times interesting that was a very long but pretty interesting answer daniel yeah well yeah i was gonna the first thought when i thought what's overplayed my first thought was anything that people play because they say it's good against delver is probably overplayed but it does depend because i was thinking like one of my first that came to mind was green white depths because okay i know some green white depths players might like be flaunted in because i've actually timed out like three or four times to it in a row recently because uh, don't worry about it. I feel like that matchup's like pretty good. I, well, I remember recently uh, somebody made the statement, 
oh, green white depths destroys Delver. And I literally like opened the deck file. I'm like, so you're telling me Knight of the Reliquary, a creature from like 2008 is the best thing to be doing in Legacy? I mean, that might, maybe that doesn't translate as well to people <laughs> what that means. The deck doesn't seem that insane to Delver. Like the reason people think it's insane is because you can put a dark depths into play and it's hard to interact. Like a lot of the cards aren't particularly good but i could i could see why why it beats delver a lot and i think the depths decks are decent like i i tried depths a few years ago i remember and it's definitely like reasonably powerful the other deck oh well, i was gonna say something about control where a lot of people say oh control beats delver and that's also not my experience though recently it might become uh, more more of a thing because now that they play a bunch of blasts like now that hydroblast is better uh hashtag hydroblast donks is better that the matchup can be closer but i actually I, I, on the other hand, I do like Control because it plays all the good, powerful blue cards. So, like, I might say, okay, I think Control is overplayed because people say it beats Delver, but I don't really think it's that insane against Delver. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, it plays all the good blue cards. And if I look at other decks, like Green White Depths, it's playing like Knight of the Reliquary and like 34 lands. So I think that's kind of heinous. Um, and I will say one thing about combo. I actually feel as a Delver player, I, I fear combo. So I've actually, I think I've lost to Doomsday like five or six like like premier events in a row. Like a lot of top eights, I've lost to Doomsday. In the last year and every time i'm like man i thought that matchup was supposed to be so good for me actually last week or two weeks ago i was playing a challenge and i played against show and tell and i won game one and i was thinking ha 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 this matchup must be so easy because i'm playing like eight hydro like eight blasts like blue blasts and hydro blasts and then i lost the post board games and i was molding so hard but it, it made sense i mean i could have maybe won game two it was like complicated sequencing but basically they had a lot of like carpet of flower like basically they had carpet of flowers but then they combined it with like veil of summer and like i mean it's mostly carpet of flowers is really <laughs> is really good and it made it like hard to win like for example in game three they went like turn one carpet of flowers and i dazed it and then went turn two show and tell and i just died and, and game two they had carpet for like a bunch of turns in a row so they could like hard cast force of wills when i had to exile so i guess the tldr is i think usually if somebody says their deck's good against delver i would be skeptical of that but on the other hand maybe it's good against like a lot of the ways other people play delver because i only know the way I play Delver. And I think combo, yeah, combo might be underrated against Delver because I, I always fear combo. Like, I'm like, give me any fair deck and I'll just like beat them in a long game. But against combo, I'm like shaking under my bed that they're going to belcher me. Even though I know mm -hmm. the common experience is that Delver is supposed to be insane against combo. It's, fun it's funny you say that because I feel like uh, nowadays, like the only sorts of combo that I'm really scared of are like the ones that win on like turn one, like like either like Belcher or like Dark Ritual Doomsday plus Days or things like that. Uh, Bob, what do you think about this? And then let's move on to the next question. I think this is a, definitely a complicated question. I think I think Control is probably a fair answer. Although, I mean, I see what you're saying now. I, I agree Control is one of the tier one decks right now. But I think in general, Control is overplayed for how good it is. But in this particular instance, it might be fine. If you want me to specify, I will specify one thing. Uh, when it comes to control, I think Jeskai control, very overplayed relative to how good it is. Four color control, not, not. I think four, four color control actually good. Yeah, I mean, the, the key card is obviously Carpet of Flowers um, makes a huge difference. And Minskin Boo, actually. I think even without Carpet of Flowers, like, you're in trouble. Or it, without Minskin yeah, whatever it is, yeah. I mean, I think all the archetypes, like, have something to them. And, like, I mean, that's why I, I like Current Legacy is that all four archetypes, like, there are good decks within each um, subcategory, essentially. So that's why I actually think Current Legacy is pretty decent because you know, you know, death and taxes top baited at the legacy pit, like in the hands of a, a really good death and taxes player, like that deck is pretty scary. Basically all the archetypes, the masters of those decks are winning right now and they're making innovations on the decks. Like obviously recently, like another combo deck, for instance, was Painter. Like they rebuilt the deck to be a lot better against Delver. So I just like the innovation that's been happening. And obviously Newton with his Orcs deck, shout out to Orcs. 
Um, really, really great name I saw on Twitter, and I'm now going to use it as much as I can. It's official. Like, I think there are people who are innovating with their specific, you know, strategy. And in all of these kind of four different macro archetype buckets, there are powerful things to be doing. So that's actually why I like current legacy. But yeah, now we can definitely kind of transition a little bit to talk about heritage, because obviously there, there are some things that people don't like about current legacy, namely like the snowball nature of certain threats, um, namely, you know, Murktide Regent, Dragon's Rage Channeler. You know, some people say Uro. I guess heritage still has Uro, but it does get rid of a lot of like the annoying tempo cards. And a lot of the blue cards, such as Force of Negation, leaving the format potentially means like the non-blue strategies. Wait, I think you're underselling this, Bob, because I think there's a lot of impactful stuff. Biggest card is like, all right, Murktide Region. That card is no longer in the format. And so first of all, here, I'm going to just say this. If you go to MTG heritage.com somebody uh kind soul i don't know uh has 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 compiled like a list of like all the stuff that is no longer legal in this format and one thing one thing that i think is really important like like there are so many cards that are just like not there like all the elementals i think the big one for me is something like prismatic ending that's a very important card plague engineer uh we know like dragon's race channeler is gone apparently mind goblin also not legal in this set alisaur shepherd like tempo is just like but like a drop in in the in the pool of cards that are no longer legal in the format leovold minskin boo i think it's really sweet what what i think of me personally like why heritage like what problem it solves the first thing that i think of is like wow right now there's like this like stigma against delver and and delver doesn't really like have access to like these crazy oppressive tools like you know murktide region yeah and and i know vuk did play delver in the heritage um streamer event but i think he you know and he agrees with me he misbuilt his deck monastery swiss spear is just not a good magic card i would have been curious to see how like you know a regular grixis delver deck dig with probably you know delver gurmag pz as the main threats or maybe a death shadow deck as well like i, I could see that deck being more successful I, I feel like nobody really had a good blue control or blue uh delver deck for the event so it did definitely skew towards being like you know more linear yeah i would say one thing about delver is that it might be uh, like the new sets are so much more powerful than the old sets so, so to put that in context of it they recently reprinted liliana of the veil into standard and i remember when i saw that one of the first things i told my friend is i said i said liliana of the veil wasn't even that good in standard i mean i could be wrong like 10 years ago and look at the cards people played then that's back when gray merchant of asphodel and siege rhino were, were played like Basically, the power creep from now, the, the power creep over the past few years basically is absurd. I mean, everybody knows that, but I don't think it's appreciated enough. So my basic point is that I like I don't even play Delver in my Delver. I just play like Blue Red, DRC, Murktide, Ledger, Shredder at this point. Like I, I, I would say Delver of Secrets as a card is probably overplayed <laughs> in Legacy. But but the archetype of like the low to the ground, you know, Days uh, Murktide deck isn't so basically my basic point is i don't know if delver is actually like a card that you're really that interested in playing anymore because there's so many good new cards printed like i would look a lot more at uro if i was playing a blue card because a lot of the broken blue strats like you said are from the horizon sets but uro is kind of like a horizons power level uh card that is legal like it's a pretty insane uh threat so my tldr of that is like i don't even know if it really makes that much sense to play delver anymore i was like that's why i don't play wasteland anymore like i think a lot of like these cards if you like think about how legacies evolved aren't as good as they once were because basically the new cards are so good and i would really try and focus on just building around the new cards and what the new cards care about well okay so obviously when you say new cards you know heritage doesn't have the two modern horizon sets which are like the most impactful obviously there's still you know some stuff left over you mentioned uro probably the cards from you know war of the spark like teferi karn narset i mean those are those are powerful as well but 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 yeah so you're saying you would 
like you're trying to build around those cards. You're trying to build around Iteration and Ura rather than try to build around Delver in Heritage. What I would really keep in mind is basically is I feel like a lot of the old cards are so power crept out by, by the new stuff. My point is most of the new stuff isn't in Heritage. Well, I think it is in the standard sets. Like a lot of the new cards are actually banned. So like Oko is banned, I assume, and like Underworld Breach is banned. But like I just mean like in the actual standard sets. Like if you look at standard 10 years ago and standard now, the standard decks now would like are like insane compared to the ones back then because the power creep of like every just every card printed into standard is is so much higher at least for the threats not for the answers so i basically mean when i'm looking for threats i wouldn't necessarily look for all these old cards as threats uh like delver think of heritage kind of differently i think the major difference between heritage and legacy is the lack of free spells and i think that totally changes the format like i already mentioned force of negation force of vigor is also not in the format and that's a big one too I, I definitely agree, but Urza Saga is more of a threat. Like oh, the point sure, I'm sure. trying to make is that without um, you know force these forces and Flusterstorm, the linear decks like the force check decks just get so much better. Um, my theory is basically you know instead of these forces to police those decks, we need to re- now rely on Mindbreak Trap and Surgical Extraction, which are not and Leyline of the Void, I suppose, but they're not as effective and they kind of miss certain parts of the format if you build your decks in, in certain ways for instance like doomsday like you can play around mind bay track by just going dark ritual doomsday but isn't that like a good th- I, I view that as a good thing though right so like mind break trap for example is very good against storm but up op- uh not opposition i guess opposition agent is banned but like um give me a card like that's good against doomsday uh dress down is also not legal <laughs> yeah dress down stifles legal stifles legal stifle sure yeah stifle is also like stifle is good against doomsday right so like you have to like okay these are like medium examples but my my point is more along the lines of like you have to pick and choose your battles now right like when it comes to building your deck you like you cannot beat everything so therefore you choose what you want to beat and you can still play certain cards that'll give you like a generic sort of applicability against the format so for example you know like spell pierce like that's a card that you would probably expect to see a lot more play but like if you want to beat like a specific deck, then, you know, you have to lean harder into targeting it. And in my opinion, I like that more in the format because it it, it makes your decks a lot less um, like slushy or soupy, like where you just like, you just be like, all right, I'm going to toss in like six force negations and call it a day. You know, like I don't like that because I think, I think especially when you want like the format to be a bit more diverse and you want people to be able to play whatever decks they want, like, you know, there needs to be like push and pull. I don't like generic answers that are really good. For example, like you have a you know, big issue with prismatic ending, right? Like same deal, like with force and negation. It's just like those two cards are like so generically applicable to like everything that it's just like it ruins the deck building and selection process. Yeah. yeah, And all the strategy that comes with that too, right? Like Sylvan Library used to be great out of Rug Delver. Now prismatic ending is legal. That card is like you're not going to see people play that card anymore, right? So it's like like those those are the kinds of thoughts that I have. I I think fewer options in a sense has the potential to actually be a good thing. Yeah, I definitely think the blue decks get a lot worse because they lose some of the generic um applicability in addition to the threats, whereas the non-blue decks still can do many powerful things. I think like Moonstompy was two of the top four, and I think it's a huge constraint on the format as to what you can do because you just need to build your deck with basics pretty much, um, unless you want to be just like really, really cold to that one specific deck. I would 
think of the format as kind of a change of pace from Legacy, where you, we kind of all know what Legacy is right now. Heritage, we're not sure what it could be. I suspect that the blue decks are worse because there's you know fewer free spells, and then the non-blue decks have access to better fast mana, and your opponents are less likely to have generic answers to you. So I think of it as like probably in between current Legacy and Old Modern, where it was kind of ship sailing in the night. I don't think it quite goes that far, but it goes more in that direction. So I kind of think of it as a change of pace. I don't necessarily think it's better to go in that direction, but it could be a change of pace and could be very interesting to explore. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be able to say better because there's literally no data. I mean, there's like, okay, there's one event that, you know, uh, I ran or with alongside Mason and, and, and Dom, um, so if you haven't already watched that, um, I'm going to upload it to YouTube soon, but the VOD is live on Twitch, so you can just check it out, twitch.tv slash unzmtg. If you dig around the website or just ask me and I'll, and I'll link it to you. Uh, note, the audio on that is like the first 30 minutes of audio is muted because I'm an idiot, but at, at like the 30 minute mark or so, like audio kicks back in. But like, there's no data. So like, how can anyone really make conclusions? Like even Jonathan, like winning the event, like I'm not going to like go around and be like, Oh no, this guy is falling. Sneak and show is a good deck again. First of all, if sneak and show is a good deck again, I feel like it's, it's weird, but in the current timeline that we live, sneak and show is somehow like the hero of our format because like, it's like one of those decks that like, I think has suffered the most from a lot of the cards that have been printed lately. And so I don't know, that's just, that's like one thought, but again, like, I think it goes back to the point of like, I, I don't know if these linear decks are like, I don't necessarily know if this means that we are in a state where linear decks are just going to be absurd because you still have like force of will and like a bunch of tools that are like somewhat applicable. I think like the, this is just all theory, operating theory. I think deck building does become a little bit harder, but I think at the baseline though, because you're just playing with like everything that legacy has to offer minus a supplemental products, you're still going to have enough interaction, right? Like, like in modern, I remember like, like a couple years back, right? The problem with modern back, like way when was like, you literally like built your deck and it was a proactive deck. And like, if you didn't draw your silver bullet sideboard cards, you know, then you're just like solitary, right? And, and that IMO is not what heritage feels like because at the end of the day you're still you're still like legacy you're still legacy you still have like a, a reasonable amount of interaction it's just um the threat base you can't beat everything as a blue deck anymore you got to pick and choose yeah is that a bad thing that's not a bad that's a great thing it would be better <laughs> because uh i think a lot of like modern horizons cards are kind of heinously designed and like i was looking it looks like very refreshing just in the sense of like you're saying the fact that like cards like prismatic ending are gone i mean that you can like with your your card selection matters a lot more like with modern horizons your decks are like maybe just because it's a new format but it does feel like you have to like uh really think like you guys were saying like what spells to use because you can't just use the generic card uh the generic best card in every slot and then like the games are like play out and you're like oh the card i put in my deck is is doing what i want it to do or whatever so it's kind of and like the games will be a lot slower paced because a lot of the modern horizons cards just make the game so much more like vintage like or fast paced because it like you said more free spells and cards like drc and murktide that just make the pace of the game so quick so it'll slow down yeah and mostly what, what i was trying to say about delver is more like i would question a, a lot of like in like in what are the you know quote-unquote good cards you want to play like i would just question like is delver actually a good card to play maybe maybe it still is but i would definitely question that like i just think it's like in general people like underrate the new cards and they like try and uh play the 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 old ones too much i mean if you were to build a day's deck where would you start complicated because i only usually play delver so i'd like look at the delver decks i'd look at the uh and i'd look at like uro control but yeah i have very strong but i don't like to play control so i'd try and build some sort of a delver deck with days like maybe yeah i don't think the threats are like that good i mean i think 
That's, I think yeah. Grimag Angler is pretty good. I think Shadow is okay. I think Reclaimer is good, but it's kind of... I mean, there's Uro Delver. Like, let's just bring back Uro Delver with Sullivan Library. It's all good. Bryant Cook, Cookie, he... um. He actually submitted Rug Delver before we changed the event to be open deck lists. And I thought that was interesting. I don't actually have his Rug Delver deck list, but like, he, I mean, going into Rug doesn't seem bad because, you know, you have cards like Hooting Mandrels. I mean, like, like you already mentioned this before, right? But like the old threats like Gurmag Angler, Tarmogoyf, like these cards like get to see play again rather than just being generically like swept under the rug by 2288 Dragon, you know, I don't know. So. I think you'd lean harder into the... That's what I'm trying to say. Like, you're leaning harder into, like, the two-mana threats and, like, the one-mana threats that come down on, like, turn three as opposed to your stock aggressive, uh, you know, like, turn one Delver, turn two Delver Darcy curve. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's just what it is. Like, like your threats get worse, but the answers in the format also get worse, so it's kind of a wash IMO. But what happens then is that, like Daniel was mentioning, yeah, the format will slow down, just games go on a little bit longer, and... I'm sorry, I was just gonna say there's like more back and forth or I don't know how to say like they're more like the threats don't end the game immediately so you kind of like see the cards play out more because like a lot of the current day threats like you play Murktide you tag the opponent and it's over but when it's like the old the olden day threats one guy one person has a Tarmogoyf the other one has like a threat and they kind of like it goes on for a while and, and you see how the threats interact with each other yes and and I think I think as games get longer that's that's more uh opportunity to infuse like skill and also expression uh of like how you build your deck or like how you play games out things like that whatever it is which i think is very important right like i don't know if, i don't know if i necessarily want to like del like like reduce the game down to like popper levels of granularity where it's just like every match is going to be a slog but i do like that games don't just end when you untap with your threat answers do exist for these threats in, in current day legacy but like it's one of those things where like if if your opponent untaps with a merc tider agent right they're they're attacking you for like six points of damage that's literally card advantage because that's like two lightning bolts you know what i mean like yeah it's kind of like i also saw it, it would be like refreshing in the way that it's like satisfying to play the games in the sense of like even if you're the one who wins with merc Tide, like it's not that it doesn't feel that great or it's not that fun i guess or interesting to be like Okay, play Murktide, play DRC. They're so broken now. You're dead. GG. But if you're like, okay, like I'm like, if you look at like the Sultai, when when you're like, okay, I need to like get in with my Tarmogoyf, and I need to like, you know, think about how to like win a longer game. It can be like more interesting or refreshing to play those games. You guys want to talk about like decks in the format? Because I don't think we've really talked about that a lot. Yeah, I mean, we can do that. Uh, I mean, obviously, winning the tournament was Sneak and Show. There's nothing new there, but that also. To me, it means like that deck is imminently beatable. Like it's not like the old cards that beat Sneak and Show are gone. Like Delver was still pretty good against Sneak and Show before. All those cards still exist. So I'm not worried about Sneak and Show being you know too good. And I think you said something similar. But then I, I talked about Moonstompy. That is a deck that I think that other decks need to change how they build in order to address it. And I, and that just comes down to like maybe playing two colors, which um. I don't know how else you would like attack Moon Stompy in deck building. Yeah, Jeskai Stoneblade might be back. Well, one thing I was thinking is like the the blasts are pretty good against the combo decks, like Hydro Blast and Pyroblast. Like I would definitely when I play these eternal formats, I definitely try and play Hydro Blast very hard. So it would be hard for me to play a deck like Salta. I think Pyroblast is just so good. Um and yeah, then you can like look at cards like Deafening Silence uh for combo decks. Like you have to yeah, like you have to get creative and because you can't use uh, you know, Fluster Storm and Force of Negation, so you you have to dig deep into your plan uh, for the combo decks. 
And um, yeah, so I could see, <laughs> I mean, maybe uh, Stoneforge Mystic is a dead card. But yeah, like Jeskai Stoneblade or like a Jeskai Control. But you might want Uro. So like maybe like sort of around there, maybe like a rug deck. But like rug decks could get weird because the removal is kind of sketchy. Oh, wait. Calder is not allowed in this format, huh? That's interesting. Mm -hmm. But Stoneforge is definitely one avenue of beating Min Stompy. So yeah, I think that definitely becomes yeah, yeah, a card. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think that's kind of interesting because like, I, well, okay. So first of all, just, just as a re a, a re recap, right? Moon Stompy seems insane in this format. Uh, it is a very proactive strategy, and if you look at the list of cards that are not in this format, like Darcy, Fiery Confluence, Pashalic Mons, Muxus, Maddening Hex, Lelia, the Blade Reforge, we've seen that in Moonstompy, Caves of Chaos Adventure, we've seen that Fury, in Moonstompy. I think Fury is the big one, and then Confluence on the sideboard, but again, yeah. it's minor losses compared F to Fury is deck. the big one, right? But like, if you think about it, right, Like, and I've mentioned this in other podcasts, but like over time, Red has just gotten so many good, like, I guess technically standard legal at some point um, threats that like you you have you're you're not really lacking or hurting for more. So I think this would be like a really good de facto like one of the pillars of the format. And historically, like Chalice has also just been that right. Chalice has usually been a pillar of the format, but nowadays I think Chalice is like on on a downtrend because like well, Merktide Regent is one thing, but then also like Prismatic Ending and a lot of answers. Like we even saw like the mono black deck that top eight of the showcase um, didn't have Chalice of the Void in it, for example. Uh, I I know maybe it's it's really good in 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 the mono red deck against you know specifically maybe I I, I don't know I, I like it's good, but like I don't think it's as good as it used to be. Yeah, I would say this is the de facto thing. And if you think about, like, when Mono Red was especially bad, basically, like, okay, like, assuming you get to cast your spells, if you just put, like, a Tarmogoyf into play or, like, a 3-3 Elk into play, like, they're kind of in trouble. Like, their deck is not very well-equipped to handle that. I know XJ has made, like, pretty good innovations in, in his list by adding, like, Dead Gone, for example, into the main deck. But, like, like overall, like there are ways to beat mono red and it's just like playing to the board, right? Like, like think about it, right? Their deck struggles with a two, one first striker. So mm -hmm. like shredder is good. Gurmag angler is good. Pyroclasm is, is good. good. Pyroclasm is underrated. I think, well, I'd have to see exactly those threats, but I feel like Pyroclasm can be good. Yeah. The, one of the first decks I'd be looking at is like a rug deck with like ledger shredder and Uro. Cause you get blue. I mean, obviously Uro is hard to cast, but you get like, you're kind of like, that's where you're like two colors, but your third color is red. So that can help against Blood Moon. That's why I like Jeskai or Rug. But I, I mean, personally, I would definitely try really hard to play Uro. I think that card is just so insane. Basically, the thing about Uro is like, if the game goes long, that's just kind of its own win condition. Because if you play a deck like Jeskai Stoneblade, you don't necessarily just win a long game. I don't know if that point's clear, but it's just kind of like, Uro just means, oh, if the game goes long, you win. Obviously, your opponent can have Graveyard Hate, but then you're, you're making them have that. Um, so I would be looking at like a rug Uro deck. Usually they have issues where the removal spells are kind of bad, but I think you know with with cards like Repeal, maybe you know you can you can make it work. You know, and obviously White has Deafening Silence, but uh, you know you can play a lot of spell pierces. Sylvan Library is like usually pretty good against combo decks. Sylvan Library seems a lot better in this format. It's also good with Ledger Shredder because you can use the raw cards. Oh my God, Ledger Shredder, Sylvan Library, Uro. <laughs> also, Uro and Ledger Shredder are good together. Speaking of. Uh green though i do want to like quickly look at another deck that had some uh performances in the event and that was elves at the hands of uh hello newton and uh testacular uh i, I mean like we all, we all know newton is goaded with the deck but like one one card that is definitely missing from the elves deck is allosaurus shepherd and um like if, if you if you know me you know i think personally allosaurus shepherd is just like not 
good design. I don't like anything about this card. Um, but uh, it was really interesting to see how both players adapted. Newton continued to play Orcs. He still had Fiend Artisan in his deck. And he actually splashed white for Gaddock Teague. And uh, I think it was Avon Mind Sensor to tutor up with the Fiend Artisan. But Testacular played a more traditional version of Elves uh, featuring cards like, you know... Um, I think both players had Glimpse of Nature. But Testacular had like the full combo package. Uh, and, and it was interesting just to see that Elves still had, you know, Breath uh, in, in that it, you know... Well, one person, you know, top forward against uh, like some of the best players in, in the in the in the format, and then I, th I think I don't remember how Testacular finished, but at the end of the event, I I do recall him saying that he he wished he had tried the uh, the Orcs version because it looked pretty damn good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is interesting. I, I like to see that elves would still be doing well in this format despite not having Allosaurus Shepherd. I think Allosaurus Shepherd like removes agency options a bit too much but it's good to know that the deck still has like you know an arsenal of tools that it can leverage what well, it's the anti-control card now you know how us delver players feel when you play carpet of flowers dude carpet of flowers is the is to me what alistair shepherd is to you probably <laughs> yeah probably I it's like the anti-control yeah. well it's not anti-control obviously but that's probably uh i mean it says can't be countered on it i guess what i mean to say is is more like like it's it's interesting to see how uh, elves gets nerfed but still does well because everybody's getting nerfed and they just like it's creativity and just like applying like you know a twist on how you would normally play things i, I don't know like bob do you have any thoughts on this well, i was just gonna say like what does it lose like it just loses shepherd i mean if you think about it that's a big deal a though. lot of yeah but that's because you play control like if you like a lot of people the counter spell aspect doesn't matter i mean i'm not an elves player like maybe they'll like be raging at me but shepherd is good against delver and it's really good against eight cast um it's good against like even sneak and show right like you know <laughs> it just stops your opponent from being able to interact yeah, yeah, yeah on... no, no I, I spoke with jonathan actually after the tournament i was like what were your thoughts on it and he was like i'm really happy um because it just seems like there was more like 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 blue red delver wasn't the obvious choice those were his words not mine but then also he said something about um being very excited that shepherd specifically was not in the format and and bob you're right like this card is actually very good in a lot of uh, a lot of matchups oh yeah it's good against chalice oh yeah i didn't realize how insane it was yeah i mean like here's the thing too is like if you look at like elves today versus elves like back in the day like what are the play patterns right the play patterns are mostly like well back in the day it was like all right set up wirewood symbiote you know jund my way in out of this game by drawing like a billion cards off of elvish uh, visionary and then just go from there whereas nowadays the play pattern is very much so like all right you know dunk him with alistair shepherd green sun zenith for a dried arbor shepherd or turn to you know shepherd uh, pick up a shepherd off of green sun zenith like if you look at the list the orcs list that newton's playing in legacy homie doesn't even have the full four elvish visionaries anymore it's much more of like a, a maverick deck than it is anything else that leverages like Crater Hoof Behemoth at some point through a natural order that you can't counter. And I, to me, that's just very interesting, right? Like there, there, there are definitely like two sides of the same coin, distinctly different, even though they use a lot of the same cards. Yeah, and, and also keep in mind, this is just one small 16-person event. Like there are other decks out there waiting to be discovered. Yeah. I'm glad some people, you know, made some brews, like Justin Gennari tried to build P.O., it didn't really work out, but like, I'm glad he tried something and there's so many things out there to try. Yeah. So I would like to see like a, a more open tournament. Um, you know, maybe we'll pick a, a weekend on a and you can try to like make it, uh, host something larger, like maybe 
whoever wants to sign up. I, I imagine we would get 30 plus people, maybe even more, a lot more than that. Who knows? Yeah, I think this was just like a, how do I explain this? Like logistically speaking, it was a, hey, Heritage is a thing. Are people interested? And somehow Mason was able to get 16 players almost like in a day. And and this is like not including a lot of people who didn't get to play like yourself. You didn't play. I know Jarvis wasn't in the event. Like these are people that I'm sure would like to try it at, at some point. Uh, even on Twitter, there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I mean, the format felt fresh. And th that that alone might be enough reason to get people to try it. I, I've been talking to to my friends here in, in Northern Virginia, and they want to come over. And I was saying like, oh, I could host like a small four or eight person event at my house. So yeah. we're definitely interested in, in exploring it further because, I mean, it feels fresh. Um, there there are obviously, you know, some concerns about the format. Like one thing, you know, Julian raised on Twitter was like, oh, it might, you know, splinter the format. Um, so couple thoughts there like i don't really think people who play legacy would quit legacy for heritage even if it you know took off more i think it would just be an additional format that's a change of pace i think people who played heritage would probably still play legacy and then if you're quitting legacy i don't know that you you'd be quitting it to, to play heritage yeah okay yeah and I, I, that's that's where i'm concerned about too because like I don't really know. Um, so I, I don't know too much about like splintered formats. Like I like when I think splinter formats, I think of like like pre-modern and modern. But I don't think that's actually accurate. Um, Julian, no, that's, mentioned that's totally different. Yeah, yeah. He's, he was talking about like commander where he's saying it's split into like i don't know mtgo and then like french commander or some stuff like that i, I don't really yeah know. He, he mentioned a bunch of formats i had never heard of and apparently those all didn't really make it through but the thing is is like I, I do think that the reason why i think heritage could be successful is because i think it solves a very clear problem and that problem is mostly format management this is a custom format that is run by the players with certain rules. And I'm sure like if it actually ever picked up, there would be, you know, players are like the community is much more able to provide the sort of transparency that we want from Wizards regarding Legacy. Um, and that would be one major, major, major upside to Heritage. Also, mm -hmm. I feel like the other upside to Heritage is, is like, it's just a, it is it is a different format. Like, like the way the games play out, like you have a lot of the same cards, but like the gameplay and the strategy behind it is going to be different just by virtue of it being a slower format. And I think that is also something important slash valuable. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still not totally convinced it's a slower format because I'm still worried about the linear strategies. But I definitely want to, yeah, sure, you know, sure. try it, try it some more and and see. You okay? You brought up a, a good tangential point though, which is that the players might be managing the format. So what the website says is they're going. I mean, this is all so early, so you know, maybe maybe we'll have a panel. But the, their initial proposal was that the community votes on you know bans and restrictions, and so this actually you know. Uh, let's tie this back to another uh, listener question we got, which was from at Ozymandias17, Matthew Vuk. Um, in your opinion, do constructed slash competitive players deserve an explanation for ban criteria uh, as well as a vision for each for format as opposed to, you know, right now it's kind of random criteria and ban explanations after the fact? Is some level of secrecy potentially good for the format? Um, what level of transparency sh should there be? Sounds like you're of the opinion like, they should just be totally transparent. I like transparency. Yeah, I like transparency. I, I, I think I think transparency becomes even more critical, like when there's a lot of like overwhelming frustration. Like I don't expect to make everybody happy. OK, cool. But I think when a large portion of players are just like, I am not happy, then something needs to be said to explain what is being done to solve that frustration. 
and when nothing is being said that it feels like nothing is in the works to solve the frustration well, and well, being here's left- my counterpoint i don't know that people are that frustrated right now um because when we look at the numbers so when we look at challenge attendance um the numbers were way down postmodern horizons before ragavan got banned like the saturday challenges were not firing at all and that was definitely depressing some of the numbers they also you know one one factor is they changed the saturday challenge to be 32 people so now it's always firing i guess what i'm saying is like we haven't really seen an exodus of players despite all the complaints on twitter or whatever whereas before we definitely saw much decreased attendance. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And and I think this is something that you mentioned uh, to me, at least while we were just talking is like, you, you probably even tweeted about it. I think you did. You, you had the hot take where you were like, legacy is actually fine or something like that. I, I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, the, you, you can play every deck, the good players are winning with different decks. Um, I think Blue or Delver is probably the best deck by default. But like, any given weekend, you can kind of still prey on it um, mm. with, a, with a different deck. So I don't think it's and and wizards did cite data like obviously we, we kind of make fun of them for like the nine percent or whatever but they did cite that it had you know positive win percentages and negative win percentages against the next you know ten most played decks so it's not like it's just the obvious choice despite what Daniel might say um, but then again that is also you know in aggregate versus um, you know in the hands of like the top players so there's always you know some discussion there but yeah like I, that's 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 where i'm just like how do you evaluate data and this is this is like a conversation for a separate time but like evaluating like cuz they also have access to like league data don't they yeah and we're pretty sure that they're like citing league data um when they you know say 9% for instance but yeah actually get, get, well, getting you can back definitely, to this you can you can conclusively figure that out because we have all the challenge data right like we, we like right. if their so the challenge data that, says it's closer to 20% so maybe league data is closer to 9% but even then it seems a little bit low but anyways that's just yeah, yeah like another topic I don't, but yeah i i think you know one level is like maybe a little bit of opaqueness lack of transparency is is good for wizards of the coast because that way, like, you know, they can't trip themselves up more or less. Like sometimes, you know, people are just very upset and then they, they might need to take action. Um, and sometimes there's like quality of life bans, like Jataxian probe, like wasn't necessarily. Or, or yeah. <laughs> uh, well, little different story there. But I'm saying like if they set a specific strict criteria, they kind of pigeonhole themselves where if something's wrong and it doesn't fit that specific criteria, then you know, people will be mad. They'll be like, oh, you didn't follow the criteria that you laid out. So I think some Wait, flexibility is good. They could just go back and be like, listen, our original criteria was this. We have learned from this card existing in the format that we need to update our criteria. And then based on this new criteria, like we're doing this, like obviously it's, it's functionally, it would be the same as what's going on right now where they're just like banning for whatever reasons, but at least like, then like they are setting uh what is it called like a like precedent. a precedent for the future whereas right now like we can't really be like hey you banned deathright for this reason why aren't you banning this card for that reason because i don't know maybe, maybe maybe you're right like from their side like okay yeah yeah from their side obviously they would want the flexibility obviously they don't want to be liable for shit that like you like you know will will you know cause problems like that's the that's just like probably fundamental like like a business decision kind of deal but i think um actual gameplay or format perspective not having a vision is like super whack like i has morrow or anybody ever actually come out and said said that brainstorm will never get banned i think they've said close enough to that 
like I know workshops, for example, will never get banned because they've explicitly said that, right? But yeah, so and they said, um, I think the quote was like, "Recessive cards need a home too," um, and I think that a lot of people just took that and kind of applied it to to brainstorm. I know Gavin has basically said the the bar for ban- banning like a card that's like always been in the format, i.e., days, is going to be very high, whereas the bar for banning, you know, something like. Uh, expressive iteration, which is new, the bar is not going to be as high. But here, I would make the counter argument that like, I don't really think they have a vision for the format. Like they've kind of gone away from that. But I I do think they have criteria, which is, you know, roughly speaking, 55% non-mirror win percentage or higher in aggregate, as well as kind of just, you know, being able to beat up on the next several most played decks. Like the, I think they've consistently cited that criteria. They haven't used it every time, but I think they've used it enough that it feels like kind of one of the primary things that they're looking for. And current Blue Red Delver doesn't meet that criteria. Therefore, they've chosen to take no action. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm a, not, you know, I'm not super happy with it, but I'm okay with it. I, I still think like, I think they are actually being a lot more transparent than some people give them credit for because they're at least mentioning legacy and mentioning why they they think that there shouldn't be a ban. You can disagree with them, but at least they gave you their reasoning. Yeah, but like it, it's just like it's like okay, like I think we've been so starved for validation or or whatever it might be that right we've gotten to the point where we're like, "Oh, they whispered about us. Praise wizards." Like no, like that is there there's a certain amount of like there's a certain way they should operate and they're not operating that way and they should technically be liable for that as opposed to like they have not done their job and now that they're slightly doing their job like we should be happy like yes, technically. But, but what's the alternative though? Like Daniel, you've been quiet for a while. What do you how do you think a community managed ban list based on like votes like do you think that would work? I mean it depends on like the the specific like uh how good the community managers would be at, at selecting that like their background like i would ask like what's their experience to curate a ban list like are they good at like game theory or game yeah. design i'm just gonna go on the record and say i would ban carpet of flowers so you know me you too. definitely me want too. me me too <laughs> I, that's my most hated card dude i hate carpet no but no, well, that, well that's the problem with a panel is that yes. you know everybody's biased so uh you know every, not everybody like basically nobody can play every single deck so everybody comes in with their own experience yeah um but but you still you guys still think like a panel makes more sense than voting i have no idea if a panel is the best way to do it but i'm just saying that all i'm saying is just like frequent communication like that's it like it's not that hard and then also willingness to reverse your decisions if they're bad decisions right like 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 the fact that like wizards hasn't unbanned anything in like so long is probably i'm not going to say that it's laziness it's probably like caution on their part which i think is fine but like that's something that you know like a community-based format or panel or whatever the hell it is would would be willing to like experiment and try you know a little bit more like that you know so like i i don't know like Mm -hmm. i've always been a huge fan of like public beta environments where you test out new things like eh, who knows like okay let's say we unban mind twist if it's actually a problem okay just ban it again that's fine like it's not they did that with golgari grave troll right like that came off the list and then back on the list and i see no reason why that can't really happen for for legacy but you know it is i guess they don't want to like you know quote unquote admit a mistake but in that specific situation it was like they printed a bunch of cards that were good for dredge so um later i'm on, happy to, like i think you know. i think as players and a non-official like multi-million dollar entity i think people would just be 
more willing to admit mistakes and be like, hey, all right, we're going to try this. And like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And that could be part of the format vision for heritage. You know, you never know. Right. Like, like it's like, hey, we want to see like, you know, what happens in legacy and like. Well, OK, but I guess we still didn't answer the question. Like, so do, do you do both prefer a panel of experts versus mass voting on Twitter? I guess the problem with mass voting on Twitter is like, I mean, I, that no, could no, no, be no. like. Mass voting on Twitter can just like, no, 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 stop. Don't don't even say that. Don't know. No. That will never happen. No, stop it. Because well, no, the way I, I mean, they could email your DCI number, but the way I would do it, I, I mean, I think with the panel, I would just be like, are the panelists like, do they like? I would try and find the people who have the most experience with like game design, uh, game theory, and actual like experience like working on games and like thinking about it. Because you can play a lot of a format, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're good at like knowing what makes games good. So I would just try and find people who are <laughs> experienced at that. And usually that's why like, yeah. they probably do it internally. Um, and that's why it's that's like kind wise. of hard to find a panel. And I, but I would also say like a lot of people say like when I talk about bands, like, oh, you're biased. Like one of the first bands I would do, I would probably just ban days. And I literally, I play days. Like that's why I play the card. I like that's, I think Sam Black said it a few years ago. He's like, if, if you don't think the decks, the cards you're playing are going to be banned, like you should, or, you know, you're probably making a mistake or like, or, or I guess a better way to say it is basically like you should be playing what cards you think are going to be banned. So I like, I know what cards I think should be banned because I'm playing them. And then there's also like, you know, other considerations like gameplay, like his carpet to have not, I mean, I guess carpet's not a good example because it's kind of broken, but like a taxi and probe. But yeah, like I, I, I don't, I think the bias thing might be a bit overplayed. Like, like, yeah, like I would, I played days. That's my first card I would ban. That's why I play the card because I think it should be banned. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I think we've gone on long enough, but I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to like the next heritage thing that we plan. And I think we can get, you know, the community involved and see if more people are interested because I do think it has some things to offer that legacy, you know, currently lacks. And I'm not saying it's better, but I'm saying it's different and it's probably worth exploring. I mean, more. I would say I would be extremely hyped if I saw like heritage PTQs on Modo or if like Eternal Weekend did a heritage thing because it would just be a new format. Everybody would have to like, you know, imagine if there was like an actual incentive to like figure it out. Imagine if there's like back in the day when there were GPs, you know, heritage. I think if there's like a heritage event to play like on Moto or whatever in real life, it'd be super cool because everybody would be like, what's the best deck? It would be like, everybody would be trying Legacy again. Do you know what I mean? It would be very fresh. Well, I think we have to build that grassroots support for it first before, you know, TOs try to pick it up. I don't know if Wizards would ever pick it up. And I don't know if I want them to because I think of one huge advantage of heritage and they have this explicitly stated on their website too, um, which is they allow, you know, proxies basically for... Uh, and I'm not sure if it's just like everything, but I would like a pro uh, a policy that's like any reserve list card could be proxied. So maybe we start uh, there. Yeah. Preach. Um, no, but yeah. the the excitement I would just add the reason it would be exciting if they just announced it out of nowhere is nobody would know what was good, so everybody would have to like you know what I mean. It would be the chaos of like when there's a new set, nobody knows what's good. Well, I'm sure in a few years they'll announce like new pioneer, so you can knock yourself out with that. But yeah, I, I think I think like if we build the grassroots support, if if for instance like Moto starts having weekly heritage tournaments that fire, then you know TOs and maybe even Wizards will notice that and be like, Dude, okay, it is well, not hard to find eight people to play in an event, and that's where you start. You know what I mean? Like eight people, and then someday it'll become sixteen, and then thirty-two or. 64 like you're right just like old school started off as like nothing and became something how pre-modern started off as nothing and became something heritage could also become something too right like it currently does solve a problem i think it's just a matter of how many people want that problem solved and i think there's going to be a sizable amount right 
All right. right. A- anyways, we're going to wrap up this episode here. Uh, for anybody who is listening, check us out at Elo Punters on Twitter. And, and please, for the love of God, right now, just tell me what your thoughts are on Heritage. Yeah, tweet at us if you think this format is dumb, if you think our thoughts are dumb or smart. You know, I'm pretty smart. My co-hosts, you know, I don't know so much about that, but uh, this is another one that Bob's going to let slide, right? Yeah, we're going to wrap it up here, and we'll see you for the next episode. Love you all. Bye. Bye.